guess you know you're listening to Boop, and you can guess how to spell it and pronounce it. But my name is Ivan Cheng, and that dead juxta gives me some pleasure to beat. I mean, dead horse. This episode jumps the queue of things that have been recorded because it is notionally timely in that it comes triggered by a notification that Annie Goodner gets about the New York Times YouTube cooking celebrity Alison Roman making some inadequate apology to Chrissy Teigen, the lifestyle influencer who I came to know because of John Legend's All of Me, which was famously written for their shared wedding. So maybe it's in this episode that you see my desires unravel, the low-level chomping at the bit of having a hot take. I think the fantasy of podcasting, which is a form I came to love from mostly NYC, topical hot takes, cultural pods, is something that Annie Goodner and I try to approach. That shared kitchen that I think about people recording their podcasts at home in, the cultivating of a cult of personality with partners stepping in, it feels like this, a low-level feeling of self-surveillance and awareness of the provocations falling out of your mouth. To be fair, this episode will probably make you realize that the podcast you always wanted to exist is Annie's. Or at least in listening back to it, I wish I was her. And maybe that tells you about what this podcast wants to be, but probably will never be and will have to find a happy medium for. Or a less garbled or loaded thought is that What I could say is that I suggest that she finds her stride with impressive focus and acumen, a sharpness with which she steers her thoughts. Whereas I feel a bit too muddled and overwhelmed by being steeped and entrenched in the worlds of YouTube cooking segments and the truly vicarious pleasure I take in it. I mean, I watch all this as someone who barely cooks in my current living situation. Somebody save me. Somebody, I'm somebody who only recently bought a sharp knife and is still thinking about what chopping board to get. I went on Markplatz today and I got a new Brita water filter with a Pyrex bottom because I thought how she can glam and better than this plastic thing which is going slightly cloudy in my room which I use to go into the Richard Sapper kettle. It's a plug-in in the wall. But Annie, on the other hand, exists in what I see as an idyllic projection of domestic fantasy. A largely gluten-free existence with her partner Edgar, who you hear in this episode talking about skincare and natural supermarkets, and they are adept hosts who I've enjoyed the cooking of many times. I want to say that they're the type of people that I fancy as unaffected by the trends of Calabrian chili or preserved lemons, that they conduct nostalgic pleasure in their cooking, I mean, with health-aware if not conscious compasses. Annie and I also love nachos. Annie and I walk to the shop and end up with banana cream pastry puffs. 
When we studied together, she told me about the delightful barn cum kitchen, which has rotisserie chickens where we should have pushed we should have pushed to have a book launch in. She swims. To me, she was the reigning queen of the Amsterdam Metro for a while. The first time I went to Sauna Deco was with her. I hired a towel and she had her own. I mean to say that in my eyes, I'm little orphan Annie, uncertain and moderately enthusiastic, but glomming along. And in this episode, she's brassy Cameron Diaz in the remake. So sometime in March, I was like on the computer or whatever. And then I saw in YouTube, it was like... Roman Yes. So I was like, I'm going to watch this. And I, I watched it as though it were a, a, you know, a television show. Like it's 30 minutes. I watched it from start to finish. Didn't, mm-hmm. you know, flip through or whatever. Mm-hmm. Watched it from the couch, you know. And I, I, th- I think I had this feeling like this is really fascinating. Um, her friends. Like her friends and like the... So you know, diverse. Well, I mean, it's... It obviously was like highly, highly produced, Mm -hmm. but I also felt a bit like when they call cut, it's not that like, oh, then they go back to how they're actually being. There's like nothing there, Mm -hmm. right? And that I find- Artificial all the time. They all went to Columbia or something. Yeah, yeah. Also like- um, But like, don't you like, I love Sola? Sola is like a phoenix rising. Mm Like, I think Sola's really thriving. Sola and her husband had this restaurant, right? Like a sort of beloved, oh, I didn't know. beloved neighborhood restaurant in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. That, you know, it's hard to keep a restaurant going. So it, it fell on hard times, whatever. And then obviously, like, so the, the, the restaurant closed. And then, even though it had had like, you know, rave reviews in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I, it's like, I see Sola's like whole story there. You know, it's like, she wanted to cook. She wanted to be a chef. She wanted to have a restaurant. Didn't work out. So now she's got to go fucking work at Bon Appetit. Mm-hmm. And like, what's the best way to get purchase, right? It's mm-hmm. like to be one of these clowns yeah. in the te- test kitchen. Is she the person who did her first video like with these fritters? I think she. I think she's a fr- the fritter she, person. She's the fritter person, and then um, she also spoke quite candidly about how she didn't realize that half a million people would watch this, and that people now recognize her. Oh, this is during the Ninety uh, Second Street Y panel. Oh, I couldn't watch that. It's I, an hour. But that I found also like that Ninety Second Street Y thing I thought was really stupid because, um, right, there is no behind the scenes mm-hmm. because these are all made up personae. So then the idea that we're going to now look behind the curtain and see who these people really are, well, guess what? Like, th- we're not going to get that, right? We're still going to get that television ready. Mm, I feel like Chris has been developing as a character <laughs> in, like a, in seeing him more and more as a father and like him talking about his fatherhood or like someone talks about the dinosaur voices that he does. And, um... But I feel this is p- purely accidental and he seems very uncomfortable with that with like seeing behind the scenes so like whenever his kids come on the video you can tell that he's like you can tell that whatever relationship he has with them 
is not camera ready. Whereas Carla, you should watch the one, not the last one. The last one that Chris has is um, with is doing a gumbo challenge. But the one before that, he makes this kind of like a pork, like a Korean pork dish. Okay. Um, and Christina Che is like skyping in, and like speaks to him at the beginning and then at the end, and then like they have a glass of wine together, and like you can see as a parent that he's like visibly frazzled. Right. Like, kids screaming. So, the whole but day. so that I find like very apparent, right? That he's mm-hmm. he's not used to cooking at home. No. Uh, or doesn't obviously like. Also, in the background of a lot of the Test Kitchen episodes, you can see him in the background, like, you know, scribbling on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So he obviously, like, works most of the time there. But, like, so you can see that he's frazzled. You can see that his kids are, like, ah, you know? Mm-hmm. But but he's, I feel... is the head of the kitchen, right? Or, like, his head I, no. editor. Oh, is okay. Chief editor or something. Head of the Test Kitchen? He took over from Carla, because Carla's gone-ish. Really? I think she... She... She handed over, like, food director role to Chris. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year. But he seems... he. Sorry, I'm too honest. He seems frazzled. And he seems uncomfortable being frazzled in front of the camera. I think he loves it. Really? Mm-hmm. I think he loves being on camera. I, I think he really, like, it's... But also, I feel like Chris Morocco's, <laughs> his, like, cooking is also, like, the least interesting of anyone, I think. Well, after Molly. Mm, or Emil. Sorry, I also really like Emil. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think, um, so Emil in the test kitchen, very bad, right? Sort of like an yeah. Alex Delaney type. Where it's like, he's like a dude who's like, thinks he's cool. He's got his signet ring, like, and his really yeah. expensive well, like Mictia glasses, like a, right? Yeah, he's a punchline. Right. But then when he went home, it's like now he's like living in upstate New York or something, mm-hmm. cooking from home. And I feel like he's sort of funnier and more ner- Oh, God, this is like somebody who's obviously like trying to make excuses for him. Mm-hmm. But like, seems like somehow more like nerd. You'd be friends with him in real life. Would I? I would never. No. No, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, maybe I would be friends with him. I don't think he would want to be friends with me. <laughs> because. But who would he want to be friends with? Yeah, because I think he's, I think in he real. He wants to be friends with Molly Buzz. In, in secretly, in real life, in real life, he's probably like more image conscious than he's capable of. Transmitting. On transmitting camera. on camera at home. Mm-hmm. Wait, in real life, he's more self-conscious than he's capable of transmitting on camera at home. Does that make sense? Because it's like in the test kitchen, he's got all these other people around him who he needs to differentiate himself from. Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't know what they, I don't know how they coached him. If they were like, oh, you're going to be like the hip guy. Yeah. Or you're going to be the hipster. The hip, like, but like, yeah, you're going to be the hip guy. You're going to be the guy who brings a, when you make a coffee. Yeah. Who brings a little bit of, of coolness to the, because everyone else in the kitchen is a huge door. I thought Delaney was supposed to be. Cool. Yeah, but Delaney, everyone hates. Yeah, but he's like a. No, De- Delaney is the bro. Right. Okay. And Emil is the cool guy. Like Delaney's the guy who like knows I a lot about Annie cheese. Delaney and... was the cool guy. No, he's like he's the, the gay guy. he's the gay guy. Yeah. Isn't so, Emil also gay? No. So no. Oh. He has a wife, I think. Whoa. Yeah. So because I I I wasn't sure, and then somebody mentioned like a couple weeks back. Oh, I know Emil is 
quarantining with his wife, his wife and his friend. Okay. So, okay, and then I maybe like maybe read an interview with Emil on the internet where it was like one of these stupid lifestyle interviews where they like ask him both about restaurants, which I just find unbearable, like mm-hmm. having, listening to people's restaurant tips and like lifestyle stuff. So then he like mm-hmm. talked about his glasses. That's why I know they're really expensive because okay. doy. And um, I mean, it's not that I looked them up. I just know that the brand is expensive. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, <laughs> the buying is open again. Yeah, right. Did you know the buying corp is open? There's no sale yet though. And, um, so, I've lost my train of thought now, but I think, like, he, he, he struck me as just, like, yeah, exactly this guy, this, like, annoying, cool guy. And then now I'm realizing from, from home, he just can't hide. Right. That he, like, lives, obviously, in, like, an unfinished farmhouse, but, like, not in a cool way. Just in a living way. Just in, like, a living way. And I think, I find that sort of humanizing. I mean, this is, like, just an upstate like it's a out of town house and it's yeah I'm like oh yeah like everyone's rich like they're all this has been another interesting thing maybe though, Sola isn't is to see who's obviously rich because mm-hmm. you know in order to go to culinary school or whatever you need your parents to help you mm-hmm. and who's like actually needs this job mm-hmm. and I feel like um, funnily enough Brad right strikes me as like, he, like, lives in... Jersey. Jersey. Oh, he lives in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay. He has a big house with, like, a farm. There's an episode where they go to his house. Oh, okay, I missed that. I, I can't... He bothers me too much. It's yeah. too... I enjoy the editing. Like, uh, oh, but, like, okay, so... But, it's alive. Yeah. I don't... I don't watch the ones where he travels. I, yeah. I usually don't watch any of the kind of ongoing series because okay. I just but you don't watch Gourmet Makes it depends what she's making okay like I watched Gourmet Makes when she made uh Skittles jelly beans for instance okay. which she hated yeah it's like the one candy I'm, I have a friend who hates Claire Saffitz because like if you're a real pastry chef you would never begin with these processes it's because they're like too complicated you mean well no that it's just not the smartest way to do any of these things apparently. yeah but imagine and she can't even fucking temper chocolate I was just gonna say tempering chocolate seems something that's like a real problem to her but also um it's just like a bad joke I guess right but like who's in on that I don't they're, everyone's like oh Sola tempering chocolate and then there's the episode where um Chris and Brad took over yeah, that uh, one I found really sexist and offensive. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, really wasteful, the yeah. amount of chocolate that they tempted to do this thing. I did like it, though, when... Okay, so now I'm, like, revealing too much, but I did like it when Claire did It's Alive and made the crepe. Uh-huh. Because she just did a... Seemed to do a good job. Yeah. And then you also realized that when she did that, that Brad had a locked freezer or a locked fridge mm-hmm. and then you're like oh right that's that guy that's that guy and and also that you know I found that interesting because that was also a moment where you got like a tiny glimpse behind the scenes mm-hmm. right oh yeah she's got to work with this guy who has a locked refrigerator yeah right so that whereas I feel and like it's supposed to be like fun and cute and quirky but it's actually but kind it's, of sinister exactly and then, right, so, like, we're not sharing sourdough no. starters here, right? And then... Even if we made these donuts earlier together. 
Right. Because that's where it was from. Yes, that's true. But, like, to bring it back to Alice and Roman, mm-hmm. I feel like it's... There's no denying she is the star, and yet... God, she needs a stylist. Okay, well, let's talk about that in a minute. But, like, and then everyone else is, like, holding her up. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. And I think um, that's really nice. However, there was one episode where... Ah, uh, this was the Seder. Wait, mm-hmm. was it, is it the Seder, or is it for something else? Yeah, yeah, it was a Seder. It was a Seder, but she also did a Thanksgiving... Right. I didn't watch that one. But the Seder began like early quarantine and she filmed like a uh, computer thing. She's like, oh, like uh, we filmed this before. And so just um, yeah. like, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for the Seder one, right, obviously it was a lot for one person to prepare. Mm-hmm. Then she has like an assistant mm-hmm. who was on camera for a moment. And that was a kind of like, right? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. She has an assistant, mm-hmm. right? This is not just a one-woman show with, you know, wearing whatever it is, weekday. Yeah. Maybe it's Marnie. Yeah, the color palette I don't love, and the and the jeans. The fit is the jean great. fit is not. I mean, it's fine. Like that's probably that's what fine. I look like. That's what jeans. But so, but like, a, if you're gonna be on, I, mean, I guess you can. Like she obviously cares. So yeah, it's, but this it's is the thing cru- I don't understand. It's almost cruel that the camera crew makes her look like that because she could look like stunning. I just like this is something where I feel I've maybe been outside really, of like, out of yeah. Maybe horrible. we should cut this part. But like I feel I've been monster. I've been out of the U.S. Is the Frank Sinatra going to be? Yeah, like I guess a, so. A real problem? No. But this feels like very loud right now. It's okay. I think our voices are quite loud too. Edgar, can I turn this down just a tiny bit? The Frank Sinatra. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Ivan told me I can't bring it up. Yeah. yeah, no, it just it suddenly got... Bunchier. Bunchier, yeah. More present. <laughs> Our voices are present, too. Okay, but... Um, okay, as in Roman... No, but she... Okay, so I was saying, like, I think I've been out of the U.S. too long where I don't really understand American fashion. Mm-hmm. And I definitely don't understand... Um, New York, like mm-hmm. what that is. So, okay, so she's definitely like her look is definitely like low maintenance, right? Because it's like it's she doesn't it's just I jeans and a shirt. I feel like she's always wearing these dresses. But I, okay, so here's but also my chronology is like blood because I'm just but so I think the 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 style in and of itself is low maintenance. However, the cut. Mm-hmm. And the sh- the fit is not right. Mm-hmm. Like it hugs, for instance. Like if I were cooking, I would not be wearing a shirt that's that tight under mm-hmm. the armpit, right? Because like you're gonna perspire. Whereas, ooh, thanks. Um, this is off-brand Swiss chocolate. She'll get them. Nice, no, not. Oh. <laughs> I thought this was bought at the Lidl. But it's not Swiss. No, it's just. What's she'll get them? Isn't love that? This is not Lidl chocolate. Why is Schoget in Swiss? Schoggy? It's German. Mm-hmm. It's a famous old-fashioned German brand. They invented the single piece of chocolates. Mm. It's quite good. Nothing it's to good. Do. Right. Nothing to do with Swiss. Or Where do you Swiss. get it? Lidl. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've never seen it. I always go to Lidl. 
my friend told like I told her that I was having dry hands from washing them, and she said to buy Walida skin food. Yeah. Have you heard that as well? I've heard it, but it, it it's not. Good. I think I don't it's like so it. like highly fragranced. It's no, insane. I don't like Walida products to be honest. Ah, because I I I bought a Walida deodorant. Cause oh yeah, never. Really? Yeah, I, I went through a whole this phase of this. This what? I hate this. You shouldn't put it on. I didn't. I, oh. I just felt dry. But you won't like it. I, anyway. know, I just wanted to like be on the same boat with. It you. smells like bad Aesop. Like it's, <laughs> it's um. Oh. Yeah, that stuff's good. That looks good. Louis with Vidma. Yeah, this is like Swiss pharmacy stuff, and it's it's not you know I'd say it's about the price point as Valeda, right? No, Valeda. This is like four euro. Oh, okay. Well, then it's more expensive than Valeda. Ten. No, it's about ten. Yeah. Okay. Every little thing we buy there. Oh is god, like... this is this smells like book spray. <laughs> yeah, but that's it's Valeda. Valeda taste. Yeah. No, but Louis Whitmer is really good. Okay, it's like um, all my skincare, all my yeah, this kind of cream. Can you buy it here in... Yeah, there are a few... There's one in West. Yeah, um, near our old in, house. Near our old house at the... Okay. Um, like near the Van Halstraat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually. That no, pharmacy? one street over. What's yeah, that that's pharmacy. Called? Yeah, it's like an owner-owned pharmacy. You know where that circle is? That that circle where there's like a... a there was like a Silly 8 cafe and a ice cream parlor and a freak place and a seafood place and then that street goes right into the Vester Park. No. Okay, you know where the Dirk is? In that area. Like there's the Fun Hall Street, but then there's yeah, another that's... street that's parallel to that that's closer to the Harlem. You know where the Avon Park is. Do you know where the Avon Mark is? Yes. It's around yes. the corner from there. Okay. But like Going north. Yeah, there's a crowd at the corner and then two okay. okay, cut off this. <laughs> this is, is so this fragrance free? Oh, yeah. This is. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's like. Oh, yeah. It smells like cream. cream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's. Oh, it's plus 50. I thought it was SPF 50. But what I find so strange about Valeda is that it's. Right, this is the anthroposophical brand, mm -hmm. right? But then, like, there's so much fragrance in it. Mm. Okay, but it's all natural. Yeah, but you can augment natural as well. Sugar is natural too, but it's <laughs> yeah, just yeah. processed. No, I was just kidding because... Uh, not kidding, but I was commenting because I have a really good um, hair product mm -hmm. that was always sold by the Italian. Mm -hmm. And since the time it became like... Holland and Barrett. Holland and Barrett, therefore like a wellness shop rather than a drogist, they kicked it out and then I went to Lavendula. Mm -hmm. You went and, to Lavendula? Yeah, and was like, can you shelf that product because I don't like to order on the internet, I'd rather support your store. And they were like, okay, we can order it. And then they were like ordering it and they were like, yeah, we can't shelf this because there is chemicals in it. <laughs> it says organic, you know, it's like, yeah, but it's not organic enough for us. Mm. Yeah. So we can order it for you whenever you want, but we're not going to That's it. That store is full of anthroposophs. Exactly. And yeah. um, not in a good way. Well, I mean, as your, yeah, yeah, yeah. As your anecdote just laid bare. Um, well, did they have an alternate recommendation then? Yeah. No, they didn't. Oh. They were like, I'm sure this is a really good product. Um, you should go to like. But it's not good enough for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. That was the. Um, so. Like, oh, oh. 
So doubts and proves. Mm-hmm. Holland's supermodel. Holland's supermodel. Holland's guy. most famous model export, and there are many. Is she really the most famous? Of this, of this, of this generation. Of this generation. Of those angels. Yeah, because actually there were a lot of Victoria's Secret models who also came from the Netherlands. Hmm. Makes sense. I can't remember any of their names, but okay. Anyway, she did like a come to my city tour um, for Vogue. So she obviously was like in Amsterdam. And it was like, it made absolutely no sense, this tour. She goes to Laura Dahl's. I don't, I don't know why Laura Dahl's even let her do that, but okay. Maybe they're trying to rehab their That's totally failing good. business. No, it was actually really good. Uh, it was... What's Laura Dahl's? Laura Dahl's is a, is a vintage shop in the Nine Streets, but they um, are one of these shops that, you know, specializes in, like, pipette-laden dresses uh, and, and evening okay. wear. They also have a huge collection of lace. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a shop that's been open, I'd say, since the 80s, probably. And, mm-hmm. um, but it's become this like attraction where people, tourists just go in there to, take photos. to take photos. And there, so there is a strict no photos. Right. Anyway, so Dadson went there and then she went to the onset, which is this, like the last of the real hippie grocery stores in the pipe. I love this place, mm-hmm. but I was like, Oh, Dadson. But anyway, I was going to say, the onset, you know, hopefully they'll get... But they're not going to get the right kind of business. I mean, I don't think they're struggling business all, all the small businesses are doing so much better. All the corner shops are doing so much better. Mm-hmm. Why? Because people don't want to go to all the time. Oh, no, but I'm just talking about in general. Like, in general... All the organic stores, all the all the slagers, all the gruntemannen are doing so much better. Hmm. But, like, right now or yes, in general? Yes, right yeah, now. I'm not talking about right now. Oh, okay. You're talking about... I'm talking about in general. In general. Like, I, you know, Echo Plaza is moving in and trying to close down these... No, they did. Like, um, I was talking to the people from the art corn, the the, the, the one at the Waitering's house, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, so you became a Echo Plaza. They were like, yeah, it's really sad. Um, The owner got sick. He wanted to sell, but nobody wanted so Echo Plaza took it. It's not that Echo Plaza is like oh, okay. actively taking over shops. Marked was trying to, but then they oh, yeah, yeah, had yeah. severe yeah. financial problems. They're all closing now. You know that? No. Yeah, yeah, one by one. The first marked, which was on the um, Overtone, the oh, on the Overtone. Okay, well, on so the Utrechtsstraat, that one yeah. closed. Okay. The one in the Hay closed, but That's they were doing they were fancy time. Okay, but they were doing this 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 creeper thing marked mm-hmm. where they pull up next to like an Odin mm-hmm. and then try and open business there. And then pe- people were just like, fuck you, Mark. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the Odin. I have my membership. Yeah, exactly. I have my membership at the Odin and they like treat me like nicely. Um, so anyway, I was worried a bit about like um, the Echo Dees in East and the Onset mm-hmm. in the pipe. And then there's also, um, this store is not so good, but Estafette, it's on the Centurbon, and there's also one in the West. I don't know. That's Odin. The Estafette in the West is an Odin. All Estafettes are Odin. You're right. Yes, I'm right. Is the Odin the one that's uh, down the road from Bosnomaplein? I have not been to Bosnomaplein in five years. Because there's an Odin there, which is the one that is closest to where I live. Do you go there? Sometimes. The thing is, like, even if you don't want to be a member, which I'm not. um, It's still fine. 
the prices are okay and they're like just really good mm. quality stuff. I feel a bit like Amsterdam does have these businesses, mm-hmm. you know, that I think would feature like really well in a, in a visit my city. Did yeah. you know that the bar American is being turned into the Hard Rock Cafe? No. Mm-hmm. Not the Cafe American, but the bar American with the beautiful red lounges. Yeah. yeah. So there's a Hard Rock like right around the corner from Yeah, there. I guess they're going to close because... Like, who goes to Hard Rock Cafe? Tourists. But like... I would I would go to that Hard Rock Cafe. If they keep much of the interior and they just add like Sting's guitar... Like, okay, wait. Costume. So hard. I've never been actually. I don't think I've ever been in a Hard Rock Cafe. So it's like the the theme is that they actually have memorabilia, memorabilia, mm-hmm. and then they serve a sort of you know Johnny generic. Rockets yeah. generic generic uh, cafe cafe style menu, and then you can buy a T-shirt. Because I don't know if this came all the way to Australia. The Hard Rock Cafe. No, Planet Hollywood. Yeah, it did. Sure did. Okay. But it's closed now. But it, it was really yeah. great. Like, it was cool and kitsch, and, like, I think some people were even throwing parties there. Like it was but so this stuff. was a venture that was opened by, like, Bruce Willis, right? And, and... Oh, really? Oh, that I don't know. I don't know. Because I remember when the planet Hollywood... Do we hate Bruce Willis? No. Do you like Rumor Willis? I think she's actually my least favorite Willis. Oh. I think I like, um, the, 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 the youngest, the baby. Tallulah Bell, is that her name? I mean, probably it is. Yeah, yeah, but wait. Though, I don't think I have enough information to mm-hmm. talk about this. To talk Planet Hollywood? No, I have enough to talk Planet Hollywood. I don't have enough to talk the Willis clan. Oh, yeah. Neither do I. I don't actually think and it's... I have very... I don't even think it's very interesting. Okay, Planet Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just remember that when Planet Hollywood opened in the Mall of America, mm-hmm. when I was, you know, a child, that... Um, for the opening, Bruce Willis was there, and then I feel like there's another person like of his stature, of his station, shall we say? Like, but like we're talking here in the early nineties. Like Demi Moore. Yeah, like Demi Moore. Yeah, like maybe Sylvester Stallone, like early nineties yeah. Sylvester Stallone was there, and I don't think I ever I fully understood what Planet Hollywood was exactly, but I always associated it. With, with Willis. With Bruce Willis's bald head. Wow. And I guess I always also thought at the time, like, oh, the, there's only Planet Hollywood in the Mall of America. That, it's like not a chain. How did they make money? But what, what was their selling point? That it was... I don't remember. Did they sell like merchandise? Like they sold t-shirts, but I don't, I don't know what they do. I mean, I suppose it was like you go to the Planet Hollywood and then you get to see... A movie poster signed by Bruce Willis, but you can see that in the blockbuster, right? I mean, not all blockbusters. Yeah, maybe not. Not the blockbusters in Strathfield. Yeah, I mean, I see the curry place. Right, right. Not the former video easy, like. Uh... Right, but I just, I just think that like Sting's guitar, whether it's signed or not, mm-hmm. has much more. You know, consumer value. It was Planet Hot? It was a cafe. You could eat there. Yeah, yeah, it was a restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. That's what it took me a while to remember. I feel like it was a restaurant with like a big winding metal staircase, uh, and you could order a cheeseburger. Is it a Madame Tussauds type thing? 
Ah, well, I mean, I wonder how Madame Tussauds makes money. Like, who cares? Uh, a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah, it's really thrilling to stand next to a wax doll likeness. There's like a huge fascination. Did Sophie with... Lee talk about Brad Pitt in her podcast with you? No. Oh, okay. Why? Because we were we were having a we were having a long conversation about Brad Pitt last night. Oh. And I'm not. You saw her last night as well. No, no. Uh, just fill up. And okay. Beckett and I were having a conversation about Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. I feel like I always have a conversation about Brad Pitt when I'm when I'm around that. That's the Tilliers. Yeah. Crowd. Really? Why is, is that? A well, movie? I guess I have a lot of things to say about Brad Pitt, and I <laughs> deeply dislike him, and especially when he was making like Art. was was actively. I've, perhaps he still is. With Thomas Hasiago. Yeah, but I didn't actually know this this link that like. He was staying in his studio, studio. And, uh, yeah, and that's how he got the atelier's link. But I, no, what's I just, so what's so wrong about that? I love Brad Pitt. I think he's. Um, I mean, actually, to bring it all back, he could be my parent. I wouldn't mind. I don't think he would mind either. No. <laughs> just just putting it out there in the world. Yeah. Um. So okay, I used to listen to Fresh Air. Mm-hmm. Which is a podcast like Terry Gross. Terry Gross, yeah, obviously. Terry. And um I think that's gonna be on the <laughs> No. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> that was my stomach. Um anyway, I used to listen to Fresh Air like on a pretty regular basis. Mm-hmm. I think this was before podcasts like were more diverse. Yeah. Uh so it was like a good thing to cook to or whatever. And so she had Brad Pitt on. Um, I don't know, five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was there to talk about... Fury. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was there to talk about... What was that movie His directorial called? debut. Wait, no, but he did two... First Man. He did two movies with Angelina Jolie. Oh, the one that she directed. Oh, no, uh, there was just the one. Right. So there was the one that she did with Johnny Depp, which was a huge flop. Yeah. I can't remember what that one's yeah. called. And then... Um, we saw this other one together, No. No, I did not see this movie. Okay. But then there's like this sort of torrid... Oh, right. No, there's the two movies. There's the movie that he... The young couple where Angelina Jolie is trying to have a baby. The Changeling? (laughs) No. No. Okay, so anyway, they're in this... That's not what she was... That's not why he was on Fresh Air. (laughs) I think he was on Fresh Air because he had made this furniture. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, didn't he make it through the, 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 like, under the auspices of, like, some furniture designer? Some already famous furniture designer? I don't know. Okay, well, anyway, so, he was... Was it good furniture? No, it was really awful. It was, like, heavy and big. Like, rustic. And ugly. No, not rustic. Like, it looked like a, one of, you know, like a Ferrari that then somebody, like, pimps so it's like bigger. Sounds cool. Well, but I didn't. If, if you have the right taste, then it. He has six children. Yeah. That's a lot. Lucky number seven. Yeah. <laughs> or not lucky number one. <laughs> I'm the oldest. Anyway, so she had him on, and she gave him the most incredible platform. Yeah. Oh. I'm kind of into that. Can you explain what you just saw? Uh, it looks like. A... Caterpillar reduced into a line drawing and then made prismatic, made out of the same like profile of 
um, blondish brown wood. But I don't think that's wood. I think that's metal. Does that change oh. anything? Yeah, that makes it cooler. It's like a... I think that's a beautiful patina, okay. if that's... You're just... You just want to be his kid. So I think, like, she gave him this incredible <laughs> unfiltered platform to just, like, fucking pontificate about the most... Like, he didn't know what he was talking about. He had no idea what he was talking about. And he was just going on and on and on and talking about, you know, essentially talking about that table you just described, but, like, in a way that was much less interesting. And then Terry Gross was obviously just like, uh-huh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, cool. You know, like, what are you going to say in response to somebody just blowing hot air out of their ass? Uh, nothing. You, like, I, think it's, I think it's so exciting to see someone blow hot air out of their ass. Like, uh... I mean, I, I think okay, it's so, cool to not attack. Uh, right. Like, okay, but right. you... When was the first time you had a discussion about furniture? Like, for, <laughs> yeah, that's of, a good question. Like, um, who, who would you say informs your sense of interior design? And then he says, like, Kanye. Yeah, right. So that would be a question she would have asked. Yeah. But that's a question where you're just like handing mm-hmm. him this platform. Platform to just blah, blah all over. Yeah. Where, like, if you say, you know, how do you think furniture should hold a room? Or something, or hold a person. Mm. No, mm-hmm. I hate. I, I hate being on fresh air. It's so, <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> uh, I would just ask a more practical question to Brad about um, why furniture. Yeah, Brad, you, you're a, you're a beloved actor, well respected, and very wealthy. That would be like a Terry Gross moment, very right? Wealthy. Very. You've got a lot of money, Brad. And you've got a lot of family. Like a, You've got six kids with a mother on the way. Why now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? That's, that's a really good example because I think that that is broad enough to be generous mm-hmm. to your audience and yet restricted so that it limits some of his ability to... Waffle. Yeah. Yeah. And then allows her or us to follow down the path. I mean, I, I would say maybe Terry Gross's interview style is not everyone's interview style, but it allows... Um, information to be exchanged in a very direct way to produce what are they 30 minute episodes 40 they I think they they vary vary. but I would say the interview is about 35 minutes Mm -hmm. I mean I think to be you know not very nice like I think her her interviews are as good as her interview subjects, right? Right. Where I think that's not always the case, right? Sometimes, okay, I'm going to say something controversial here mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't like this person, but like Mark mm-hmm. Marin, do you ever listen to his podcasts from like, they're I've, sometimes I think two, I've like one. two and a half hours long like... and it's a lot about his like pathos and like self-hate and it's, and he's also like not very in touch with a lot of things that are going on around him, but he thinks he is. A lot of musicians go on it? Yeah, I mean, it's quite a diversity of people. It's like a lot of comedians... Did we run out of time? A lot of comedians, some actors, but... And some of his questions, he has like a kind of a formula, so it can be quite annoying. He really wants to know about early life, Mm -hmm. childhood, where you grew up, if you have siblings, what your relationships are like with that person, etc. So, like, that's really risky because if somebody doesn't want to talk about their family or they, like, have no real interesting connection to, like, 
mm-hmm. you know, Syracuse, New York, then the interview falls flat. And it yeah. does sometimes. But occasionally, he'll, like, have this, create this kind of space with somebody where you can tell, like, they've been really dying for somebody to ask them that question. And then it's, like, amazing. Like, Jenny Slate. <laughs> his interview with Jenny Slate is, like, really good. But she's also an excellent subject. So, funnily enough... You disagree? No, I don't disagree. She's an, she is an excellent yeah, subject. She's, she, um, she's very calculated. But, like... Um, I've heard her on podcasts before where she obviously had to like temper her response because it was, it was too detailed or too involved for like the space. Right. So like if Jenny Slate were on fresh air, like it wouldn't work. No. Right. No. Cause she needs, she needs comic timing. Yeah. No, it's like really good. She talks about like, she also cries like quite a bit in this interview because they talk about how she got fired from Saturday SNL. But like, you know, she like grew up in a big house and her mother was like a Raku potter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like her dad like wore a bathrobe around the house, oh. you know, like and so it's like, whoa, very vivid. Yeah, but this is surely just in her like autobiography as well. Yeah, but the way that sure, and like on some level, like, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that she talks about it is, like, it's so clearly, um, like, fundamental to how she interprets the world. the world. Yeah. And I think Mark Maron, in his, like, sort of sycophancy, mm-hmm. like, because he is, right? He's, like, like, sniffing around. He, like, really wants to, like, you know, mm-hmm. be close. Then he, like, really... Sp- her in that in like essentially what is a therapy session so again eye roll like not for everyone it's not yeah, a therapy it's, session it's not that, a therapy no session. it's more like for those of us it's who are used VR. to it isn't it isn't because like she wasn't there to sell anything yeah she maybe um, she was I think she... Right, naive but like for those of us used to fresh air mm-hmm. then this felt like a therapy session, right? Because it was, like, mm-hmm. so much more... Yeah. Uh, you know, open. Do you think you'd enjoy Terry Gross more if Terry became more visible? Like, if Terry also spoke about... Funnily enough, I just realized Terry Gross once went on stage and let herself be interviewed by Mark Marin. Oh. And I actually enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, he... I think he needs to be, like, really reeled in. Mm-hmm. Um, or he needs to reel himself in or whatever. Like, sometimes it's just like, dude, no. Sure. You know, there's like a lot. He's like very... I guess it's like Oprah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, in a way. It's it's, because at the end of the day, it's all about him, right? Mm -hmm. Um... But sometimes that's okay, right? Because maybe somebody's a bit shy and it's it's okay for an interview. it's a good foil. Yeah. Through which you can... Come to be seen. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.